Good evening. I want to welcome any visitors that might be here tonight. We just got back from a men's retreat, and uh, we had a great time out there in Marietta. And uh, so if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Colossians chapter 2, please. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 9 and 10, and the message entitled, Christ is All You Need. Uh, This has always been a central message from the beginning of times. The attack upon Christ uh, has come throughout the ages through different movements, different religions, different um, historical aspects. And uh, so it's a truth that, that needs to be understood and the reasons why. Paul has warned the Colossians of the insufficiency of philosophy that's characterized by three things in chapter 2, verse 8. The warning about philosophy, the source of philosophy, and the contradiction of philosophy. And so many people are mixing philosophy today with the scriptures. They think that they're real educated, they're real intelligent. They prove themselves to be fools. Why would you want to dilute, concentrate it, whatever it is? You would cheapen it. Christ is all you need. The imminent danger of philosophy is that it is empty deceit, delusion, being centered on human tradition and the wisdom of the world, and not after Christ, unable to reveal God to save a person, thereby insufficient. You can be as moral as you want. You can keep all the law. You can keep the Ten Commandments outwardly, and you can... Try to attempt the sermon on the mount. That does not save you. What saves you is your faith and trust in Jesus Christ that he became sin for you and died on that cross for you and rose from the dead. And if you believe that he paid the atoning price to redeem lost man, you can be saved through the new birth. You don't earn heaven. You don't go to heaven because you can be moral. A lot of moral and good people in hell. The only people in heaven are going to be people that are evil, that have repented. And so we've got this tweaked deception from the world. How tragic it's when a believer is ensnared and deceived to seek what he already possesses, not recognizing what he has, adding to his own hurt. My position in Christ is what God has done for me. My development in Christ is what God does in me. And my being used in Christ is what God does through me. All by His grace. We are saved by grace. We grow in grace. And we are presented before Christ in grace. Take notice that between our completeness in Christ and the process of development, there will be attempts to deceive the believer. Somehow, people don't believe Christians can be deceived. Pray tell, if if Christians can't be deceived, why write Colossians? Why write Galatians? Why write 1 John? Paul could say, oh, it's okay, don't worry, they're, they're eternally secured. Nothing can happen to them. But he didn't. He warned them about the deception. Now, in contrast to the insufficiency of philosophy, in verse 8, Paul gives the sufficiency of Christ. In verse 9 down to 15, the proclamation is stated first here in verse 9 and 10. Then the particulars of that sufficiency are spelled out from verse 11 through 15. We'll examine the proclamation of the sufficiency of Christ, which is characterized by three truths. Let me read here verse 9. And 10. He says, For in him dwells all the fullness of Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power. Here are the three truths that is characterized by the sufficiency of Christ. First, Christ is the fullness of God in himself. Verse 9. The fullness of God in himself. Second of all, Christians receive the fullness of God in in Christ, the first part of 10, 
And thirdly, Christ has the fullness of authority over all seeming fullness. The rest of ten. Because people will always point you to other things. That's only a part of what God's created. Let's begin here with Christ as the fullness of God in himself. Listen to the words again. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The person now indicated is the Messiah. The pronoun here is personal. Him is reflexive looking back to Christ at the end of verse 8. Remember, he always is a letter. It's written. It's connected. Sentences are words connected by chains, and they mean something when there's certain grammar structure and, 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 and the amount of words that you use, and they're connected from sentence to sentence, making paragraphs. The Greek word for Christ is Christos, meaning the anointed, the equivalent of the Old Testament, the anointed of God. Now, the obvious contrast cannot be missed, nor should it be missed. Human philosophy is empty deceit, traditions of men, and the basic rudiments of the world, the ABCs, um, cannot make man one with God. So philosophy, uh, ethics, um, whatever you want. They're just attempts to try to explain the world and humanity, but when it deviates and it, does, it isn't checked by the word of God, it's absolutely opposing God. So once again, if you're going to add an addition to your room, you know, you're going to get a contractor and he's going to come in with a, with a tape measure and it's 12 inches to the foot, not 13, not 11, it's 12. And he's going to measure out the square footage. He's going to make his computation. He's going to tell you it's going to cost you X number of dollars. All right? Well, the legitimate measure is the Bible. Anything else that you want to measure up to, it has to be measured up to the Bible if it's legitimate. If it doesn't measure up to the Bible, it's false, it's deception. It's just that simple. All these things only carry off mankind as a spoil or plunder by false teachers. Spiritual kidnappers, if you will. The, the preposition is specific in him. This is the proposition. In him, in the person of Jesus alone, the Messiah, in no way was he one of the emanations, nor is it in one of the emanations of the Gnostics and all that. People always point you to avatars, to emanations, to mediums, to other things, and no, 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 no. Many people even go as far as say, well, God, Jesus was a prophet, Jesus was a good man, Jesus was one of the avatars. No, 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 Jesus is the ultimate God. Notice the particular point about the person of Messiah is that he lacks nothing in view of deity. The Apostle Paul says the sufficiency of Christ is due to the fact that it dwells in him. It wasn't something acquired. The word dwells is made up of two words. Oikio, which means at home, or enkata, down. The word Dwell means to live at home. The same word is used of the believer in Christ dwelling a home in their hearts in Ephesians 3.17. As we're born again, Christ dwells in our hearts. He makes himself at home. Now, when we were in the world sinning and living apart from God, he couldn't be at home in our heart. But now we repent that we don't live the way we used to. So he, our body is the temple of God and he lives and feels at home in our hearts. Our body is the temple of God. Now, the tense is the present tense indicating actions that has lasting effects, continuous and permanent presence of home as Christ is there. In other words, it is something of his very essence, his nature. This is who he is. It's not something he acquired at any one time. Please the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, Colossians 1.19 says, completely. Now notice the Apostle Paul specifies exactly what it is that dwells in the person of Messiah to make him sufficient, all the fullness of the Godhead. The extent of the fullness is total. The word all, as we've touched on it many times, means each, every, the whole, and everything all is all. 
The same word is used 39 times in the epistle. The context will dictate what the all is. The exact totality is stated by the word fullness. All fullness. In other words, he's being very uh, specific in expanding the totality so there can be no mistake about what he's trying to say. Fullness is believed to be the favorite word of the intruding heretics to identify the object or goal through their special knowledge for the ultimate attaining with God. So Paul uses this word of the heretics. They're propagating, oh, you can reach the, Christ is okay, but to reach the fullness, you've got be careful when it's Christ plus something else. The word here basically means that which has been filled to completeness or potential. It's used for a ship ready for a journey, equipped fully with sailors, oarsmen, everything necessary. Paul used it to identify the sum total of the Gentiles at the close of the church age prior to the tribulation in Romans 11. 25. Paul also used it to describe the complete fulfillment of time when God sent forth the Son made of a woman under the law in Galatians 4.4. 4. The context indicates the sum total of deity, the divine attributes appearing two times here and in verse 19 of chapter 1. He is God. He cannot be any more. He cannot be any less. All that ever resided in God or ever will resides in Jesus Christ, proving he is God. Clearly rejecting the teaching of the Gnostics that the anointing of Jesus came upon him at his baptism and then left him prior to his death. So they say it was just a man who died. False. He said, unto your hands I commend my spirit. And he dismissed his spirit. The God-man. Jesus is not an emanation inferior to God, as the Gnostics taught. The verb form is used five times, translated filled, complete, and fulfilled here in Colossians 119, 1.19, 1.25, 2.10, 4.12, 4.17. Notice the emphasis is made by the explicit kind of fullness by the term Godhead. What kind of fullness are we talking about? It appears only this time in the New Testament. The emphasis is not on divinity, but deity, the state of being God. There is a different word. To emphasize divinity, translated Godhead and divine in Romans 120. Verse 9 is one of the most powerful verses for the deity of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is one of a kind because he is God. And if you go searching for God apart from Jesus Christ, you will never find God. You find and you encounter God through the persons of Jesus Christ. Notice the precise point of contact. The person of Messiah provides in his identity with humanity. So, he's not only God, but he became man. The God-man. There's the key. The Apostle Paul declared... That the sufficiency of Christ is not just that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead, but the fact that it does so in a bodily form. Jesus as God existed from all eternity. Before Abraham was, I am, he told the Pharisees in John 8, 58, blew their minds. You're not even 40 years old. <laughs> Before Abraham was, I am. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was of God, and God was the Word. John 1.1. 1, 1. And the Word became flesh. We beheld His glory. His only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14. God became man. Not 50-50, Barb. 100% God, 100% man. A body you have prepared for me. 
to do your will, O God. Hebrews 10, 5. Luke tells us as a child in Luke 2.40, he grew physically, he grew strong in the spirit, spiritually, and he was filled with wisdom mentally. The God-man. Jesus tired, he thirsted, he hungered, he wept, he cried. Listen, he died. 100% man. He was the visible form of the invisible God. He was visible, he was approachable, he was touchable. The importance of Jesus being a man while being God makes his sufficiency most effective then. He's the link to God. The first Adam failed marring the image of God through sin and death and it passed to all men. Romans 5.12 Sin didn't exist. Before Adam. Death did not exist before Adam. So when you hear people teach the gap theory in Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2, that there was a first creation in verse 1 and a destruction, then a recreation in verse 2, call a loony farm to them. There's no basis for it. Romans 5, 12 says, death entered in through one man. There was never any death because there was never any humans before Adam. Simple. End of conversation. Let's stop speculation. Let the scripture interpret the scriptures. The last Adam was victorious. 1 Corinthians 15.45 So we were in the first Adam, fallen, marred, created in the image and likeness of God. But because of Adam, we were marred, tainted, sin nature, dead and trespassed and sins. We heard the gospel. We repented. We asked him to forgive us. Now we stand in the last Adam, Jesus Christ, still having an old sin nature, but now having a divine nature, able to yield and please God through the grace of Jesus Christ. We can identify with him. He can identify with us. Submitting to him, even as he submitted to all the trials and testings. Because Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So being God, he took the hand of God. Being man, he took the hand of man. And then what he did? He died. And his blood reconciled sinful man to God. Because the token for the forgiveness of sins, Leviticus 17, 11, was blood. Adam and Eve sinned. God killed the first animal to cover their sin. Leviticus law, the blood of the animal. But it was only foreshadowing and type of the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So the blood of bulls and goats could never put away sin. All they could do was cover it as a promise of the true payment to come, Jesus Christ. So no more animal sacrifice. Aren't you glad? you know how much money you spent? For in, in him, he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted, Hebrews 2.17. Not that he needed to experience to know how we feel, but he is all-knowing. But that we can identify in a practical way. Because that's the kind of people we are, right? We will say, well, you know, but God, God doesn't know what I'm going through. Oh, no, God says, listen, I was one of you. you. You will never go through anything or be tempted in any way that I was not. Wow. Now, either he's lying or he's telling the truth. Can't have it both ways. He became man. He submitted himself, even unto death, obedience to the Father. He became my substitute. He died for my sins. Again, God made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became the propitiation for our sins, not ours alone, but the whole world, First John 2, 2. Now be careful of Calvinists who tell you that God only died for the elect, only for a few, 
and he rejected the rest. First John 2, 2 says, and he died for our sin, our sins of the Christian. And not only our sins, but the whole world. So what do you do with that? John 3, 16, the world. Don't let Calvinists substitute the word world for elect. It's not what it says. The world is the world, all of humanity. He paid the price for every sinner ever to be born. But not every sinner will repent and accept Christ Jesus as their Savior. That's not God's fault. That's the individual's fault. So be careful of Calvinistic poison. It makes you a mule. You can't reproduce. Jesus was and is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist said his cousin in John one twenty nine. Jesus tasted death for every human being and through death rendered powerless the devil who had authority over death. Hebrews 2, 9, and 14. What do you do with that? He tasted death. Are you saying that he didn't really die for everybody? See, you, you got to be careful what you do with the scriptures. People play with the scriptures. Do not play with the scriptures. The most common sense is the right sense. Don't make the scriptures a nonsense. Wesley used to say. He is our intercessor before God. Job had a problem. There was no daysman betwixt him and God. No umpire. Talia's hand on both of them. Job 9.33. Jesus is the answer to Job's problems. The mediator is Jesus Christ. First Timothy 2.5. A mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. No one else. No other name. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Knowing that he became man and he submitted himself to everything, then he knows how to meet that need. And we can go to him any time of the day, any time of the night. God himself addresses him as the high priest forever, belonging to the order of Melchizedek, Hebrews 5.10. Not the priesthood of Aaron, but Melchizedek. 1 Timothy 3.16 puts it this way. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on the world, received them into glory. Wow, what a summary. <laughs> that thing is just packed. What an incredible verse. Jesus was God before his incarnation, ladies and gentlemen. Paul says that Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider a robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the death of the cross in Philippians 2 6. And we're to have this mind, the mind of a servant. Being in the form of God is called an antecedental condition. He was God before he came. He was God when he was here. And he's God when he left. And he's still God. He can't be more than God. But he became less than God. He became man. For you and for I. And so when he walked, it was God walking in human flesh. The last Adam. Everything he did, he did depending on the Father. Not as God. He did it as man. So that you and I can say, well, he was God. No, he was man. He never did anything with this power of God. He did it depending on the Father as man. So we have no excuse. Jesus Christ divested himself of his glory, never of his deity. There in Philippians 2. He confirms it in John 17, 5. And that was really the Lord's prayer. But what we usually call the Lord's Prayer cannot be the Lord's Prayer because in that prayer, it's an example on how we should pray and there's a petition for forgiveness of sins. Jesus had no sin. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17. Father, glorify me with the glory which I had before the world was. He divested himself of his glory, never of his deity. Never his deity, his glory. Jesus was God during his, this incarnation. Some acknowledge him as God. Some don't. Satan acknowledged him as God in the temptation of the wilderness. Since you're the Son of God. Since means truthfully the fact, not 
not doubt. Jesus acknowledged it under oath of the high priest. Are you the son of God? As, as you say, Matthew 26, 63, 64. The unclean spirits fell down before him and said, you are the son of God. Mark 3, 11. Every time Jesus came to demon-possessed people, they said, hi, Jesus, son of God, what are you doing? Our time not yet come. Everybody's walking around saying, is that the son of God? Is he Joseph's son? He's the son of a centurion? And all of a sudden, a demon-possessed person walks by and says, hi, Jesus, son of God, what are you doing? Wow. Simeon said he had seen the Lord Christ as God promised in Luke one twenty six. As Jesus was dedicated. Jesus was God after his resurrection too. Remaining as a man glorified. Thomas said, my Lord and my God in John twenty twenty eight. Paul said, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2, 11 and 10. Right now is by grace. When he judges man is by force. Right now is for salvation. Then it will be for condemnation. There is no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. Acts 4.12 Not Mary, not Peter, not the Pope, not you, not anybody. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Place of honor, place of authority. Acts 2.33 Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost <clears throat> those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25. Wow. So Jesus is not just a good man. He's not just a prophet. He's not an emanation. He is the complete sum total of deity. God. Absolutely. Before me there was no God formed. Nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. Isaiah 43.10 Your father Abraham rejoices he might day, and he saw it, and he was glad. John 8.56 So Christ is the fullness of God in himself, being the God-man. Notice, secondly, here, Christians receive the fullness of God in Christ, then. Listen to the words, and you are complete in Him. The affirmation of the proclamation is that in view of the sufficiency of Jesus as the Godhead and the God-man, they were in union and saved by believing in Him, in Jesus alone. Nothing else needs to be added. The personal pronoun you refers to the Colossians. They were saints in Christ, as he said in chapter 1, verse 2. Faithful brothers in Christ, all in the same verse. They were recipients of grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, in, in the same verse, right there in the opening, chapter 1, verse 2. They were manifesting faith in Christ and love for all the saints, chapter 1, verse 3. They were transformed. They were born again. Remember, these guys are all pagans. These guys are, they come from a debauched world. Greek culture. Much like ours today, amoral. Situational ethics, golly clarifications. There's no really no right, no wrong. Have you checked the latest colleges? Have you checked with your children when they go to universities, what they get in their logic class, their philosophy class? There, they, there's no such thing as objective truth, absolute truth. We've, we, we're, we've given up on that. And it's, it's, it's all relative, you know. It may be right for you, but not for me. And so it really doesn't matter. There's no true wrong or true right. That's what the kids are being taught in university today. Amazing. And then we wonder why they're making out with a guy, and then the next day they're making out with a girl. Wow. Because everything goes, right? AC, DC, whatever's around. Because after all, there's no absolute truth, right? 
What a lie for the destruction of people. It goes against your nature. It goes against the image that God created you in. It violates you. And once you partake, the destruction begins. Notice the tense here of the verb. Is the present and were recipients of the intercessory prayer by Paul and Timothy. That they walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. In chapter 1, verse 10. That they be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. In Colossians 1, 10. That they be strengthened with all might according to the power of his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Again, 111. That they be qualified by the Father to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. Colossians 1.12. All of this because they found themselves in Christ. He, be, he imparts all this to us freely by grace. Not because we've deserved it. Not because we are better than others. Notice the confirmation here of the proclamation is that in view of the sufficiency of Jesus as the God-man, then they were complete in Him. Wow. The word complete again is the verb form of the noun plemora. This is a purposeful play on words here in the text in the Greek meaning. Having been made full and continues so. It's a play on words in the Greek. It is use of fulfilled scripture of prophecy in Matthew one twenty two. So you got a prophecy of something's going to happen. When it happens, the same word, completely fulfilled. Can't add, slacking nothing. Wow. It's used for being filled with the Holy Spirit totally. Ephesians 5, 18. Keep on keeping on being filled. It's used of a ship fully rigged to equip for voyage also. Lacking nothing. In view of the fact that Jesus is the Messiah of Christ, or Christ, same word means same thing, in whom dwells all the sum total of deity, the God-man, you lack nothing for salvation. Notice the phrase in him and with him. 10 through 13. And of his fullness have all we receive and grace for grace, John 1.16 tells us. The implication being to seek something more or apart from Jesus to be complete in salvation is to be ignorant that a person is complete and in all their searching never find it being deceived. Colossians 1.14 says, For he alone has provided redemption for us through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.15, For he alone is the visible form of the invisible God, the preeminent one over all creation. 1.16, For he alone created all things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, power, for all was created through him and for him. Colossians 1.17, For he alone is eternal and existed before creation. 1.18, For he alone is the head of the church, being the first and preeminent one to rise from the dead, he the preeminent one over all things. 119, for he alone pleased the Father to search an extent that is pleased the Father, that in him all fullness should dwell. Wow. Does Plato have these attributes? Sophocles? The Pope? Mary? No one does. Only Christ. 
The sufficiency of Jesus for salvation is clearly a finished work then. He alone is able to make peace with God for man through the blood at the cross. Colossians 1.20 He alone is able to reconcile us who were once enemies in Colossians 1.21 He alone is able to present us holy and blameless Colossians 1.22 He alone is able to supply all wisdom and knowledge Colossians 2.3 And him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge No one else He alone is able to circumcise our hearts Colossians 2.11 to give us the ability to live apart from the flesh. To no longer want to be there. To recognize that that life takes life away from me. It doesn't give life to me. It brings more problems to me than solutions. It controls me. I don't control it. He alone is able to raise us up in the newness of life. Colossians 2.12 he alone is able to forgive sins, Colossians 2.13. He alone is able to overcome any power, Colossians 2.15. Wow. Who is this guy? <laughs> the person of God who took on flesh. You see, the Colossians didn't need special knowledge to bring them to the goal of salvation. They were already saved. They did not need to seek or to go through any intermediary emanations to arrive at salvation. They were there already. A classic example is the deception of some who seek to find fulfillment outside of their marriage. Thinking that they are lacking something. Only to defile, pollute, and even lose what they had, being ignorant that what they were searching for, they possessed all along. Wow, what a lie. It's all over our culture. It's a worldview. When Mormons come to your door... And they tell you that you need the doctrines and covenants and the membership of the Latter-day Saints for salvation. They lie. They attempt to deceive you. Paul told the Galatians, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which you have preached to you, let him be accursed, anathema, the strongest word of damnation in the Greek. He says it twice in Galatians 1, 8, and 9. Paul did not mess around with people when it came to salvation. When they were trying to deceive people, he just got in their faces. You understand? We shouldn't take it lightly when we know who deceivers are and they're trying to deceive other people. When Jehovah Witnesses come to your door and they tell you Jesus is a created angel, Michael, they lie. They attempt to deceive you. John says, who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 1 John 2, 22 and 23. So you get the Father through the Son. If you reject the Son, you reject the Father. Simple. When New Agers tell you that Jesus is only one of many avatars or ascended masters for salvation, they lie and are attempting to deceive you. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonah, flesh and blood has now revealed to you but my Father in heaven. And I say to you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The rock is Jesus Christ, not Peter. God help us. And Peter was not the first pope. If Peter was the first pope, he had to be about 350 years old, if not more. 
because the Catholic Church did not begin to have its roots until Constantine married the Church of the World in 312. Math doesn't add up. Simple. Not only that, Peter denied Jesus three times. So how could he be the first pope? When Catholics tell you that Mary is an intermediary, a go-between, or that canonized virgins and saints can intercede for you, they're liars. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Today, the Catholic Church is playing a big role on the deception, on ecumenicalism, and a lot of the Protestant apostates are following and going back to the Catholic Church. I hope you're aware of what's going on. And we're all brothers, and we're all going to be in heaven. And the common unity is love. Let's just love one another. Let's not fight about doctrine. No, let's fight. Read First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. Doctrine, 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 doctrine. God help us. Acts 17, 29 says, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold, silver, or stone, something shaped by the art of man's devices. So, you have idols. I used to pray to idols. Some of those idols, their toes get worn off because people kiss them so much. A bunch of cochinos. I mean, everybody put their lips there and everything else. And, you know, we dip our hand in dirty water and we call it holy. It's dirty. You know, but when you're deceived, you're deceived, right? You know, it's amazing. Christ is all you need. In Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You're complete in Him. Everything else is deception, ladies and gentlemen. Now, understand what's going on. This is going to be a major attack upon the Christian church, those who are committed to Jesus Christ. Even the emerging church, McLaren, Rob Bell, um, Rick Warren, all of them. Even Greg Laurie, because he's hooking up with them. They're ecumenical. Let's just all get along. I don't think so. I don't think so. If you're with them and you're not exposing them, you're one of them. Am I clear on this? Have you ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? Of all the Christians who were tortured in the early history, Jesus freaks in our current history, because they would not deny that Jesus Christ was the only way. They would not agree with being ecumenical. They did not believe that love was a common ground, but it was doctrine, Jesus Christ. And if you're on the up and up, you see what's coming to the United States. The emergent church is the church of the Antichrist. It's going to get worse through contemplative prayer and acceptance of love and building community and new language, new definitions. The church is not the church, they're campuses. Really? My Bible says church. And so where are you going to be when God allows perhaps persecution to come to the United States? And they ask you to deny Jesus Christ. Don't think it can't happen. Absolutely can. We're going to find out whether we get shot in the head or the leg in 16 days. And we'll see what God has in store for the Church of America. Christians... Receive the fullness of God in Christ in view of being the God-man. Third and last, listen. 
Christ has the fullness of authority over all seeming fullness, who is the head of all principality and power. The God-man Jesus, who you are complete in for salvation, listen, is the head. The sufficiency of Jesus for salvation is reaffirmed by the fact that he is head. Head simply means the symbol of authority found three times. Colossians 1.18, 2.10, When we speak about something being the head of a family, we mean he is the one who is having the ultimate authority. The last word. A husband is said to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church in Ephesians 5, 26 to 27. As the loving leader and priest and protector, not as some dictator or despot. The sufficiency of Jesus for salvation is based on the fact that he has the final authority on prophetic salvation. He fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament as Messiah over 300 in his first coming. He fulfilled the payment of sin at the cross. It is finished in John 19.30. The sufficiency of Jesus was questioned often during his ministry, hinging on the question of authority. Listen, Mark 2, 1 through 12, on one occasion it was Capernaum, as he entered a house and preached the word. And then there in Mark uh, 2, verse 1 through 4, the place was so crowded they lowered a man from the roof, you remember, he was paralytic. And in verse 5, Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart, verse 6 and 7 says, Why did this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? By their own mouth, the only one that has authority to forgive sins is God. They just gave the answer. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, in verse 8, he said to them, why do you reason among these things in your hearts? Jesus could read their hearts. What was going on? Jesus said, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house, verse 9 through 11. Whoa. For Jesus to say, well, your sins are forgiven, there's no evidence to prove that, right? See, I'm going to give you something tangible. Get up, take up your bed and walk. This will, this will verify that of authority over what you can't see, the forgiveness of sins. Wow. Immediately he arose, took up his bed. He went out in the presence of all of them so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. You better believe it. Now, Buddha didn't do stuff like this. Krishna didn't. Plato didn't. Sophocles didn't. Nero didn't. Khrushchev didn't. No dictator's ever done this. No kings. Nobody. The God-man, Jesus, who you are completing for salvation, is the head of all existing forces. The word principality means beginning or origin. It can be used for the beginning of a series or the first person or thing. It can be used for principality rulers or magistrates on earth. The context determines the meaning. It's found 746 times in the New Testament, three times in Colossians. So we want to judge it by the context of Colossians. Colossians 1.18, once for Jesus, who was the first in line of the resurrection. That's the context. Colossians 1.16 and 2.10, these other two times, is used for the invisible realm of the spirit world. So this is the context. 
The word powers means the ability and right to exercise authority. It is used of Jesus. He taught them as having, as one having authority, not as the scribes in Matthew 7, 29. This word appears four times in Colossians, all translated power and in the plural powers. Colossians 1, 13, 1, 16, 2, 10, 2, 15. Once again, I believe they deal with the invisible realm here for the spirit world. There is no demon, no fallen angel that is more powerful than Jesus. He created them prior to the fall. The fallen angels, as we've studied before. Again, the false teaching was that angels needed to be sought to obtain perfection or completion in Colossians 2.18. And Paul says that's false humility. It's deception. Not only for this reason, but both words, principality and powers, are used by Paul in Ephesians for the spiritual warfare against Satan's angels that are spirit beings. Ephesians 6.12, we just finished the warfare. The armor in Ephesians on Thursday. It was a companion epistle. Ephesians, Colossians were written at the same time. They have many similarities, but there's complete different focus. Jesus created all of them. Therefore, he is greater and superior to them. No one is independent of him or above him, but subject to him because he created Everything, Colossians 1, 16 and 3, 1. There's nothing that was made that wasn't made by him and for him. Wow. That's authority. That's power. Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers haven't been made subject to him. 1 Peter 3, 22. It's much like a head coach of a football team, though there are assistant coaches, a captain. The ultimate and final authority comes from the head coach. This is Jesus. He's the captain of our salvation. God knew the potential of man for bowing to creation as a separate entity from God. So he warned man. God knew that man would want to worship the creation. Listen to him. And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Deuteronomy 4.19 God created the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the lakes, the oceans for us to benefit us, to bless us. Not to worship them. Jeremiah speaks about the man who goes out to the forest, he cuts down a tree and he makes a stool with one and he makes a house with another and then the leftover, he warms himself with some and then he has a little bit left over and he makes a God and he prostrates himself to it. He says, how do you reason that? Foolish. Paul says, but then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those who by nature were not God. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you again turn to the weak and beggary elements in which you desire again to be in bondage? Galatians 4, 8, 9. Paul rebukes the Galatians. There is no greeting in Galatians. He just jumps in and starts slapping heads. What is the matter with you? You guys came out of paganism. Now you're being deceived again. Beggarly elements. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into image. They made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, animals, creeping things. Romans 1, 22 and 23. There are cultures that focus entirely on the worship of nature. America is one of them. With the new age. Animism is said to be, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, the attribution of conscious life to natural objects or to the nature itself. 
So people go to the mouth, oh, that's God. No, that, God made that. God, that's not God. The belief in the existence of spiritual beings that are separable or separate from bodies. Ridiculous. Hypothesis holding that an immaterial force animates the universe. Really? There are only two powers in the world, those of God through Jesus Christ, who is God, and Satan, the God of this world, the prince and the power of the air. Jesus is the highest authority. All angels serve him. Bad and good, they're subject to him. He is the head of all principalities and powers in Colossians 2.10. Christ spoiled principalities and powers, triumphing over them, Colossians 3.15, when he went down to hell. Nothing could hold him. He emptied it out. He is above all principalities, powers, dominions of darkness in Colossians, in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. He created them. The church is manifesting God's wisdom to these principalities and powers in heaven. Ephesians 3, 10 says, the angels stoop down to look at the wisdom of God. The believer doesn't wrestle against flesh and blood, but what? Principalities and powers, dominions of darkness. God's angels are identified for us in the scriptures. Seraphims, cherubims, archangels, regular angels. We've done a whole study on angels. They're interesting beings, but they're all servants of God. There's all spirit beings for the heirs of salvation, you and I. The fallen ones, they're not greater than Jesus. They're subject to Jesus. It can't go beyond what Jesus allows and yet, they are the servants of Satan. They occupy this lower realm of the atmosphere. They hold men captive at their will, blind. Only the good news, the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the gospel, can free mankind, just as he freed you, freed me. No other way. And so Christ has the fullness of authority over all seeming fullness because he is the God man simple and so this is the proclamation of the sufficiency of Christ next time somebody tells you that you need nothing so you need something else besides Jesus rebuke them take them to Colossians <laughs> take them to the scriptures Christ is the fullness of God in himself, being the God-man. Christians receive the fullness of God in Christ in view that he is the God-man. And Christ has the fullness of authority over all seeming fullness because he is the God-man. Can't get better than that, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be searching for a Savior. You already have him. <laughs> Don't think he's lacking anything. If he is, we're in trouble. He lied when he said it was finished. But he doesn't lie. He said, it is finished. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't have to make it. He loved us so much that he made the one way. Thank God. Father, thank you for your grace and your love, your goodness, Lord. We pray you would continue to deal with our hearts as we grow in your Son. That, Lord, we would honor him in every way and that we would never allow anybody to challenge his authority and his superiority of his finished work. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Maybe you're over the Internet. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right where you stand, right where you sit, maybe you're listening through the internet, not visually, and you can be born again. If you believe Jesus is God who became man, just as I have taught here, then you can call upon him, and he will forgive you of all your sins. He will make you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. If this is your decision, right where you sit, this is your prayer to him to forgive you, and to be born again. 
Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.